And welcome to the Dice of Screaming Podcast, coming at you once again. Oh, wow, that was a great roaring howl. Oh, well, hey, just a little Wookiee vibe going on. I guess, I guess, yeah, we're doing some Wookiee. So, hey, welcome, uh, Dice of Screaming once again. Yeah, hey, uh, had a great weekend, we missed you guys, but uh, doing our thing, we are today going to cover... Lost Tomb of the Bitchin' Chimera. Oh, yes. An homage. And possibly one of the few podcasts that could do this right. Because, well, we probably have listened to and know pretty much by heart, or at least by rote, most of the Dead Milkman playlists. Yeah, I, I gotta say, this one... <laughs> uh, we have often jokingly described ourselves as you know, manifestly unqualified for almost anything that we're talking about, but we're doing it anyway because this is stuff we like. We're not necessarily good at it. We're not more knowledgeable than other people. We just like it. And you know what? That's our prerogative. That's cool and all that, but just this once, this confluence of events has come about to put us in the weirdly perfect position to be the people who actually, for once, know what we are talking about. Yep, we have some authority with us. Normally, we're the pizza cutter of gaming podcasts. You know, we got edge, but we have no point. None whatsoever. We have a narrow field of usefulness, you know, that it, should you happen to need a pizza cut. Hey, you could cut some pie crust. Yeah, you know, that, but uh, beyond that, our usefulness is limited. But this is Lair of the Bitchin' Chimera. Or Lost Tomb. Lost Tomb of the Bitchin' Chimera. The homage to the dead milkmen, uh, with their approval and participation. <laughs> oh, absolutely! <laughs> dedicated to the memory of Dave Blood. Uh, it is a incredible thing to be alive in an era where we are sitting here looking at an RPG made from one of our favorite bands of yore. Yeah, maybe not. You know, on our top 10 list. Um, definitely on our top 30, but I would definitely say because they would be number 28. But wherever they come in on your list, that's perfectly fine. Uh, hey, uh, Bitchin' Camaro is a playoff of the whole Bitchin' Camaro of their day. And uh, a while back on Twitter, some wag had foisted up a tweet about how that the Dead Milkmen were overrated and that they were just a frat boy band. And I'm like, wow, uh, you never listened to Rocket Ship, watching Scotty die, Stuart, um, Big Time Operator, Taco <laughs> Land. I against Osborne. Yeah, you could just name off, and like, you know, they were, and they had two anti frat boy songs, which were primarily, if they had a lot of frat boys in the audience, they would potentially play Brat in the Frat and Bitchin' Camaro. Yeah. Which was about some. Overprivileged, uh, dad totally owns a dealership. Mullet head. Who just, you know, rides around his bitching Camaro, turfing people's lawns because his dad's, or his uncle's the judge. And <laughs> dad's the, you know, owns a dealership. So. Yeah, and uh, circa 1980, you know, everybody knew. You know, there was somebody in every small town in America that represented that total a-hole. Steve. <laughs> In our case. Uh, you know, it was a, there was a commonality of experience, man. They tapped into a vibe of, like, 
uh, alternate frustration, amusement, and horror uh, <laughs> with like the the everyday world around us. And they did it with comedic stylings. Okay, they just everything everything was subject to mockery, and it was almost South Park before there was South Park. When you listened to a Dead Milkman album, something in there, you know, like was going to get railed on. Probably like eight or ten things per song were about to get the treatment. Oh well, other than South Park, I'd say that they they treated everything as the same. It was pretty much not just to make a joke off of, but if you had something generally you didn't want to have talked about or exposed, they were probably going to bring it up in songs. Like yeah, Methodist no. coloring book. Oh yeah. Don't you color outside the lines, or God will send you to hell. I got a Methodist coloring book. Uh, There were no sacred cows, which... (laughs) Yeah, which brings us to the point. Uh, Dead Milkman, the name starts to make... Eat your paisley. Eat your paisley. So, Uh, yeah, they they were uh, were played quite a bit at our our table, our little circle, because they were uh, plucky... They were fun, and yeah, you didn't. Sometimes you could just listen to the music, which, well, okay, it wasn't played really well, but it was played wild, loudly and it was played openly. They uh, I, definitely knew, didn't have a great deal of musicality, but they did have a great deal of love for what they were doing, or at least trying to have as much fun as they could while doing it. Okay, I, you know, like I'm gonna take a little difference there, is like I actually, you know, disagree that you know, people have characterized them as not being great. I'm like, look, you know what? If you stack them up against the Joe Satrianis and the technical experts, and you're like, oh, is their drummer Neil Pert? Okay, well, yeah, but nobody's drummer is Neil Pert anymore. Uh, but, you know, there was just one Neil Pert in all the world. So not everybody can be that. Were they all like these uber virtuosos? Absolutely not. But were all of them ridiculously competent musicians who 100% got the job done? had enormous fun doing it, and made songs that were also fun to listen to. Yeah, they nailed it on all the other points. Oh, well, so, hey, I think you're being a little yeah. harsh there, man. I didn't compare them to, like, well, no, look, they're not Led Zeppelin, but I, here's I'm the thing is, I'm going to make you, it. per se. I'm referencing the, the dude you say, sure. like, they're underrated as a band. You know, like, no, yeah, screw okay. you, man. I, it's you just know, like the Ramones, man. Overrated. Look, the Ramones come out there... They were not. They really didn't even know how to play their instruments. Yeah, the like time. three chords. Right, but they get what those they got out of those three chords was pretty worthy. So, yeah, you know, you and they, somebody who got more than they got out of like just the three chords, like two and, and a half minute songs were, with four chords. And as you can see here, this is contentious what people think about them. So, their legacy, while assured, is at least relevant in the fact that a lot of people have different opinions about them. And like I said, uh, bringing up the wag who called out that like they were terrible and overrated in a frat boy party band. Oh, hey, you know what? Yeah, they're where they played a lot on the East Coast, as I understand it. A lot of guys from Cornell used to follow them, and they got really kind of annoyed with that. Yeah, so they wrote actual songs to just sort of like flip the audience the bird. Uh, now, I actually uh, side story. I, I do have some, you know, I these marvelous acquaintances from yesteryear that opened for the Dead Milkmen. Uh, <laughs> and it was one of the worst ticket combo ideas oh, of Lord. all time. Yeah, it did not work out well. Captain Dave and the Psychedelic Lounge Cats uh, were not the ideal opening act for the Dead Milkmen. So I, I don't know who dreamed up that ticket, 
Uh, As I understand it, was their manager who at the time of, of Captain Dave and the Psychedelic Lounge Cats made a terrible miscalculation on booking the same venue. So they decided, hey, yeah, just open up for us. We're fine. We're cool. And it just... Oh. Yeah, that's that's how I understand it. But, I mean, uh, they're probably... Let's see. There's three <laughs> people who know who Captain Dave and the Psychedelic Lounge Cats are. Two of them are right here right now. So, if you're the third, <laughs> hey, uh, you know, send us a little email at uh, Death Hand Gaming. Or, uh, yeah, the... Um, just uh, download the Anchor app and leave a message for us. Yeah, send it in. We'll, we'll be interested if that third person ever calls in. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so... Yeah, I I, I remember that. Uh, but the, the, you know, Dead Milkman crowd did not mix well with uh, many of the others. So, you know, it was a do not play well with others category. Yeah, um, the, some people were there to get feisty, and that's, you know, kind of what happens with that time. There's a lot of college-aged kids who listened to it at, at the time, too, and that kind of annoyed some people. But, hey, now we're talking about the Dead Milkman RPG adventure, Lair of the Bitchin' Chimera. So let's get right into it here. With a big kudo to Andrew Irvin for having concocted this thing actually quite some time ago oh. uh, and having finally working with the band, uh, you know, to release uh, their the creation that they had... Uh, actually, you know, run their friends through uh, right before a actual Dead Bill Fan concert. But, you know, it was their, their, the day before the concert. We're totally going to have a game and then we're going to go see the Dead Milkmen. You know, and what a great combo of events. Uh, <laughs> uh, as opposed to us, who uh, I never actually got to see them in a live show. So I've I, seen them twice, but, but uh, uh, that, was a, that was a different thing. Anyway... So, yeah, um, if you wanted to talk uh, specific 80s D- D&D, I, you could say I was surprised, even shocked. No, not really. I'm not really shocked. Not shocked at all that they play D&D. And so this shows it pretty well. Um, it's fairly system neutral, although it's built to the 5th edition. Um, it can be played with pretty much any edition. Um, I understand there's a DCC version, which Dungeon Crawl Classics. Uh, but, you know, yeah, it I haven't seen that one, but the Dead Milkmen uh, feature very prominently, so if you know their playlist like I do, you'll be pretty much smirking your way the, all the way through, so as we get into it, yes, we just have to mention there are spoilers. We will be talking a little bit about the end part of the game, but we're really not going to delve into it. We're just going to cover most of some inside jokes and take a long view of it from a distance which means we might unveil something if you want to of course play through this module and not be surprised by anything and keep everything fresh then i suggest you stop listening listening to one of our other fine podcasts in our inventory because we have 200 and some odd now going on so you yeah, can pick I mean, and choose this, this would be 202 so i mean there's it's not like there's no others to choose from uh, you know, scroll way, way down. Go back to the, you know, like musty old tomes no. in the back of the archive. Oh. You know, with the uh, the greenish lichen growing on the outside edge of the book. And, you know, open open one of those up and, you know, blow the dust off it. Uh, and also, we're, we're not going to make any apologies for going in deeply to some of the meanings of Dead Milkman songs of old. No, this is our self-indulgence, man. Nobody's so. going to take this away from us. This is where, like, I mean... This it's like we I, were born unto this moment. Yeah, I, we were made for this exact occasion. Uh, all of these references are known to us. 
<laughs> it is our moment on the top of the hill. Now, I, I do want to cast the augury for a moment. Oh, right. Yes, yeah, we forgot to cast the augury. Dark on it. Now, we have coming up, uh, like, yet another Appendix and Movie Night. Uh, that that shall be forthcoming. Uh, we have the... Oh, what uh, do the futures portend? Yeah, the Rod of Seven Parts uh, episode is forthcoming as well. Uh, an examination of some classic campaign settings that we have not yet given the full treatment to, including Birthright... Uh, and Spelljammer, uh, the Griffin Island release, which... Or Griffin Mountain, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, that's Griffin Mountain? Yeah, yeah, yeah I, oh. I got it all. I, yeah, we'll talk about that. Yeah, but yeah, we wanted to talk about Griffin um, Mountain and also... Um, we'll probably be doing a Call of Cthulhu retrospective on The Haunting. The very first module, because some people asked me what was uh, Mr. Corbett's bed all about. I'm like, we'll talk about that. Yes, Ms. The Haunting probably has a higher body count than Doom <laughs> of Horrors and... <laughs> Amateurs! <laughs> yeah. Amateurs! Every one of you. They asked, what is that Mr. Corbett about bed? And I'm like, it's the original deathbed. You heard of Plato, Socrates, Aristotle? Yes. Morons, oh. all of them. Wow. You know, just, yeah. I, <laughs> there, there is... <laughs> yeah, so we, I think we owe it to our audience to do a <laughs> retrospective of the very first Call of Cthulhu adventure, The Haunting. So we'll, we'll be doing that one. So I think everybody's done with spoilers on that one. I don't think we have to put a spoilers on something that old. No, that's quite old. Uh, you know, it, it's got it. It's, it's probably some people playing it, though, these days. You know... You know Call of Cthulhu coming back the way it has does mean that there's a lot of people yeah. delving into that old stuff that have not actually played it before. Whereas uh, those of us who are also musty and have like a greenish uh, lichen growing on us, you know, <laughs> and are like parked in the back of the library unread for years, uh, those of us like that who remember Call of Cthulhu, yeah, we do know it, you know, but uh, we don't talk about it because. PTSD. Um, (laughs) So many dead characters. So, oh, Simon Mindbridge. All right, yeah, thank you for the casting of the augury, Mike. Uh, As always, your portents ring true. So look for all those things coming up. So, tearing right into it, Lost Tomb of the Bitch and Chimera is based in Spartan and written in conjunction by the legendary Philly punk band, The Dead Milkman. Uh, while it's presented here, it's ultimately system agnostic. It is probably best used for D&D or them, some uh, facsimile thereof. And it's mostly for levels, characters, three to five. Yeah, I mean, you could uh, easily uh, adjust this for a GURPS or a, you know, 5th uh, uh, edition. Uh, the Die 20 system familiar to Pathfinder players. Yeah. Uh, so you yeah, play it with straight as first edition too, if you're really, yeah, ballsy. Your your system neutrality means that with uh, relatively few adjustments or filling in the blanks for specific stats, you should be ready to go with whatever system you're using. Now, right off the get go, you're presented with a challenge. Uh, your characters are going to be coming up, and they have a nice character generation system, including a half orc bard who will dance to anything. So you understand that one. <laughs> You're ready to go. Oh, that was the half-orc druid. Oh, the half-orc druid. He will dance to anything. 
Oh man! By the Smiths or by the Pope? <laughs> or no? Uh, <laughs> he'll dance to anything by any bunch of stupid Europeans. Just come over here with their big haircuts, try to take decent, you take money away from decent, hardworking American artists like myself. You'll dance to anything. Uh, Blow out your hair, dude, because you work at Hardee's. Okay, so <clears throat> anyway, uh, a rock gull is enraged and has been attacking the small hamlet of Tiny Town. And what a town Tiny Town is. Uh, yes, it, uh, and the reason the rock gull uh, has been attacking the town is that it has stolen three of the rock or has, uh, three of the uh, rock gull's eggs have been stolen by a well-intentioned burrow owl bear. Yep. Now, <laughs> as this game was originally played at night near a graveyard <laughs> with glow and dark dice. At least that's what they tell us. So tiny <laughs> town. Yeah. So right away, if you're in there, right in the center of town is the VFW Hall, Veterans of a Fucked Up World. And right across from that is the Bitchin' Chimera Tavern. So you're already... And there's a laundromat, but right across from it is Taco Land. Which, it's nature's plan. To go down to Taco Land. And I, I want to go to the Bitchin' Chimera Tavern and ask if they have hot tea. No. And if they only have it iced, I'm going to jump up on the table and shout out Anarchy! Anarchy! <laughs> yep. So yeah, you're well, you're in for a ride, folks. So yeah, there's also a trailer park down by the way. So uh, each of the places is well uh, detailed, usually with several uh, random encounters or things that will happen. Like at the laundromat, all the servants and laborers, uh, the party will meet in Tiny Town, are rat folk. Rat folk are either lawful good or cat good or neutral good, and uh, treated nicely. They'll help the party and demonstrate generosity and kindness, which. Really doesn't play a whole lot to the whole thing of the dead milkman, but again, a little in joke there is that most of the fans were called rats because they were they mostly kept to themselves. But you treated them nice; they were nice to you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, wandering monster encounters outside of Tiny Town are the unfriendly badger, <clears throat> the mycoded sproutling is. I, I'm so sad. The badger is not my friend. Friend, it's not your friend. And Johnston's flump toad. <laughs> my conid sproutling uh, uh, green slimy thing a rusty flying dagger called the Bohemian. <laughs> yeah oh man no uh, there are a lot of wonderful little areas surrounding the uh, uh, there's a tarantula in the laundromat huh? well as there should be uh, but, you know, as they said there, maybe you knew that. Oh. Where the tarantula lives. Where the tarantula lives. It's in the laundromat. I was waiting for that one, didn't I? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so there's some nice items can be given out, and we're just going to spoil them right here. Is uh, If you help out uh, Mistress Brown Nose. Yes, retrieving the... the eggs of the rock gull from the... Burrow Owlbear, which has taken them to the lair of the or the tomb of the Bitchin Chimera. Uh, if you accomplish this, it will end the Rock Gull's retributive yes. attacks on the town. So, so what, you're being pulled into this to rescue the town from these repeated attacks. Yeah, by so a very powerful creature. That damn Burrow Owlbear. Yeah, I know. People are out looking in the trees for it, but it's a burrow owlbear. It lives in the ground. Yeah, what the hell are they doing? Do you think people like that are going to know no, what the queers are doing, doing to the, the soil? soil? No, they're not. <laughs> so, 
but you can get items that will help you in your quest. Yeah, so she gives like studded leather gloves, which, you know, got little spikes on them. Uh, Yeti hide cape functions as a cozy blanket and gives you plus one AC to a moldy suit of padded armor. <laughs> a scale mail vest, visored plate helm won't stay open. Minus one, give you minus one to hit, but plus one to AC. Leather pants. <laughs> uh, plus two to persuasion checks and uh, <laughs> rustic troll hide boots. And a very small shield from a child sized set of plate mail. Counts as a buckler. <laughs> Chainmail skirt plus two to AC. Or studded leather codpiece. <laughs> plus minus two to intimidation checks, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, she uh, ostentatiously hires your characters when plies you with these fine gifts and uh, tries to impress you, which, you know, tells you everything you need to know. But then here in the trailer park, where most of the 50 or so residents of Tiny Town live, I'm sure they're good, fine folk, all of them. Yeah. And I wonder what they watch at night. What? It, it, they go to Channel 57, watch a little Mork and Mindy. They drink a cool chorus 15-ouncer. No, cool chorus 16-ouncer. Uh, 16-ouncer, yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fine Americans. Fine Americans. But they don't know what the, the queers, queers are doing, doing to the soil. And you might ask, why is a rock gull with a mohawk attacking? Well, if you it's don't a, understand punk rock, it's gull, a punk rock gull. Yeah, it's a punk rock gull, and she's mad. <laughs> but Taco Land. Here's my favorite part because that's where I would go if I'm playing this adventure. When you tell me there's Taco Land, well, fuck, I'm going down there with my half orc druid because that's nature's plan. Oh man! To go on down to oh, Taco Land. Trip to Taco Land. Ah! The dwarf monk sets himself on fire, and no one cares. Ah! <laughs> uh, now, let's see. They've got the hangman's hut. Oh yeah. Uh, which you know, Hangman William Bloat is a halfling of genial disposition. Uh, breaking those breaking the law will be dragged to his hut. Of course, no one exactly knows what the laws are, or if there are any laws at all, because capital punishment has long since been banned in Tiny Town. Now, this is where you finally get your criminals will be served a nice cup of hot tea and given a stern talking to. So, yeah, hot tea is to be had, just not at the inn. So, I, right. See, I so the hang to, so he's an excellent dancer anyway. too. <laughs> I wonder if he's a big time operator. Yeah. All right. So, all right. So, Taco Land, half halfling, half orc, cousin Earl makes tacos from horse meat. Adventurers can eat here for free once per day in exchange for washing dishes in the spit sink. <laughs> However, eating a horse meat taco can come with side effects. Two dice six, which might or might not be negated by a con saving throw. Up to your DM. <laughs> and there are stat alterations that can randomly take place. Uh, from the eating of a You can learn a dancing lights cantrip. Uh, hey, some of these are beneficial. Very. Uh, some of them, not so much. Like uh, death. Yeah. <laughs> you can get death. wonder what that does. <laughs> Gain animal handling skill. No one knows why. Crash, bang, boom. And then, of course, on the edge of town is life is shit boneyard. Oh, you forgot the, uh, the elf merchant, Peter Bazooka. Oh, Peter Bazooka. Oh. <laughs> operates a small haberdashery and merch table. Yeah, he sets up, you know, all Again, kinds of... clothing, weapons, gear, things like that. Got a drumstick dagger. Yeah. One end does piercing, the other end does bludgeoning. 
Yeah. A sharp guitar pick for five gold pieces. With a range of 20 feet, these cause die for slashing damage. Like, you know, musical shuriken. Again, that was from... Uh, after being insulted for a while, one of the uh, members of the band threw a guitar pick and supposedly it cut somebody's eye and so they sued him. Which, yeah, it begs a certain amount of credulity. Uh. But you know, that's the thing. But here we have... <laughs> well, just don't just don't yell like, I want to hear smoke on the water over and over again. Don't, no, no. don't, no, no. no. <laughs> so the tabard featuring an image of a dead cow... Causes fear in creatures of low intelligence. <laughs> but it's only a fur gold piece, so there. Now, um, yes, the life is shit at Boneyard. It's a cemetery located in oh, a huge round hill. Once on again, we have Naga hide fingerless gloves before we go any further. How many Nagas had to die oh, to make these gloves? Hundreds and hundreds of little baby Nagas. Because the, the, the hide is still supple on the young ones. That's how many Nagas they kill. They had to kill the baby Nagas, Nagas to get all that Naga hide. All right. Yeah. But anyway, yes, life is shit Boneyard. A decrepit cemetery on the ends of town. And of course, if you're familiar with the song Life is Shit, you wouldn't be surprised that outside you might define a disgruntled goth kid on a roll of two. They have the vicious mockery spell. Yeah. Or a right-wing pigeon. Oh! Or a brat. Probably from a And brat. also the bleach boy is also hanging out there with a sharpened stick. <laughs> and, the and the dreaded thing that only eats hippies. hippies. Bob you best beware. And of course, it only targets characters with long hair or a comeliness of ten or lower. Which... Yeah, it's got a sweet tooth for long hair. But it's the thing that only eats hippies. And all the punks cried, yippee. yippee. <laughs> so the crystalline tree uh, is the set piece of this encounter. So that will take you to And it a... has some lovely art uh, to oh, yeah. explain this year that is, it is almost reminiscent of Yggdrasil. So, like, mad gamer props to them. Uh, you know, down beneath the roots of this tree exist these layers uh, that you you must work your way down into uh, if you inevitably wish to find the lost tomb of the bitchin' chimera, which is where the burrow owlbear has hidden it. It's hidden the eggs. Yep, and, you know, you can find stuff down in uh, there, like the cones of banana peel scented incense. And petrified jellyfish. <laughs> well, they're no longer in jellyfish heaven. Hell, yeah. <laughs> and, of course, a suit of studded Nagahide armor, equivalent to plus three chainmail, but weightless. <laughs> oh, again, Nagahide, what can't you do? Deed to a trailer. A modest, empty home. <laughs> oh, man. A dagger with a dead cow engraved in the pommel. Halberd blade with a serrated edge. Oh. Electroplated swordfish. Oh, marvelous things. Uh, optional RPG mechanics. Oh, yeah. They, uh, they, they give you a little bit of, uh, like... <clears throat> I'll just let Mike cover this one. <laughs> Not going to touch that with a nope. borrowed 10-foot pole, huh? No. Nope, Some other features of the burrow of the owlbear include the glory hole of annihilation, uh, with their only advice being, just don't, okay? Yeah, somebody finally went there. Glory hole of annihilation. Can we just say that now? Okay. And then, of course, if you know uh, the born to love volcanoes, there's a little volcano. 
Although there aren't many known volcanoes within thousands of miles of Tiny Town, a small amount of hot magma is pulled up from the ground. Strange, right? Molten lava functions like a glowstone and illuminates a 10-foot space around it. Anyone who loves volcanoes... <laughs> Enough to touch the magma. That would be my druid. I have their bare skin. Two dice, six fire damage. And get a cool scar. Born to love volcanoes. Born to love volcanoes. 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 Ah. Oh, PBS. You give so much and ask so little. Yep. And, of course, we already revealed what the dead cow means for the dead milkman. What? No oh. sacred cows. Yeah. And uh, you'll find many things with the dead cow emblem all the way through it. And finally on the second uh, level, you finally find <laughs> that, that picture of the rock gull. <laughs> it's just, I'm sorry. <coughs> uh, so we're just going through here. I heard her dad's the Duke of Earl. <laughs> <laughs> If your store don't have no mojo nicks and then your store needs some fixing. Yeah, that's what I would do to that elf. Yeah, I was Merch listening table. to Mojo Nixon uh, just a couple of nights ago. They were doing a little retro groove and uh, I found the uh, old video for Burn Down the Malls. <laughs> oh, it was great. So, Mojo Nixon and Skid Roper. Totally memory worthy. Hopefully you're at the second level you can find the... Egg, the rock gull eggs and bring them back to its mother and they are she will then be happy fly off and you receive your reward and everything will be go back to normal and then afterwards you can uh find out some other things like you can become a were mongoose turns out that uh, mistress brown nose is also a mongoose it's a rumor in the town that she was a skin changer but uh yeah she's actually a were mongoose so you can get that. You can also make a blood boon of the bitch and chimera. You can make a blood pack for those warlocks or witches out there. Yeah, you get a nice little boon. And they also have a little contract you have to fill out with the uh, bitch and chimera <laughs> to take it as a patron. So that's there. And, of course, they have some nice character sheets, which really uh, fit the old school aesthetic. Of course, it has the Dead Milkman logo on it, which, you know. Yep, top right corner. Uh, and uh, they have uh, your... A random table to uh, roll for what your class is and what your alignment and race are. So if you need to roll up a real quick character during this, because if you die. And, of course, a nice uh, name chart here, like with Stuart or Scotty. Because I'd just love to watch Scotty die. <laughs> uh, with, the, like, the last names, uh, Talcum, Earwig, Belafonte, Osborne, Lombardi. Yeah. At so we would also be remiss if we didn't talk about the... Chimera itself, which you just roll, and it could have a Charles Nelson Riley head, or a swordfish head, or a walrus head. Yes. Ah, uh, I am the walrus. No, I am the walrus. <laughs> oh, you kids. You wouldn't do this if Nixon was in the White House. <laughs> oh, man. I, literally, I, I am going to listen to so much... Dead Milkman after this episode. Yeah, because I would definitely it. say that if you had to play this module and you were doing it, I, definitely it would be better to do it as a a theme night. Like everybody dress up in your faux punk um, alternative gear of the 80s. Because, yeah, alternative existed before the 90s. I'm sorry, but uh, The Cure, Suzy Sue, and <laughs> yeah, Echo and the Buddy Men. They just hadn't developed... A, a specific category for it. 
Yeah, yeah they did call them alternative, but it was it was not like a category you could find a record store. Because if you went in a record store, at the, yes, we actually went in record stores at that time, even yes. to buy cassettes. And you said, hey. And you would go through and you're like, where would I start looking for the Echo and the Bunny Men album? Because you just heard one song and you're like, I, I want to know more. Killing Moon. Right. Yeah. And so cause... you want to go and you look through it and you go to Rock, you don't find it there. Would you go over to Country and Western? Hell no. <laughs> but you'd go, finally you'd break down and have to ask the guy at the counter, like, hey man, do you guys uh, have any Echo and the Bunny Men? And he's like, oh, he quit last week. <laughs> <laughs> And so then you just have to figure it out, and you would finally find this little shelf tucked away in the back right next to 70s disco and all the half of it would say alternative, and there you would find an album of Echo and the Bunnymen. Now, it sounds like I'm being overly specific or trying to conjure up something because that's pretty much, yeah, the the face of it, except with the guy saying that Echo and the Bunnymen quit last week. Yeah. The the gist of it was that... uh, any chain large enough to have a presence all over the country uh, in terms of record stores had a like kind of systemic inclination to have everything labeled and categorized. So if something could not fit into the categories that they had laid aside, like we have rock, pop, country, western, disco, you know, soul, and like R, you know, like soul R and B. Yeah, they had R and You know, rock, pop. Pop rock, you know, just... And maybe a little zone over here for metal, you know. Metal. And that was about as much variety as you got. There was no, like, you know, okay, everything else category. And until they developed the marketing system to say, like, hey, all of this other stuff is alternative. Uh, That's why that happened. The name alternative came about because they just couldn't shove it anywhere else. All right. And, and people just were not buying punk albums. Let's put it that mildly. So <laughs> Yeah, not a lot of people anyway. But the people who were avid hunters. Uh, and of course, there was no Hot Topic at the time. So everybody I knew, you know, like they went to craft stores, bought a bunch of stuff and a hot glue gun. And, you know, they would just bead and stud and, mm. you know, uh, draw on and like... My first spin magazine I ever bought had a... never knew so many dudes could actually... Like, yeah, sew and craft. Because they had to. That's the only way to get your band patches on, unless like you were totally willing to go extra lame and like. Or you can be like, "Can you put this patch on my jacket?" <laughs> or you know, you 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 could go up to like me with grandmother and say, "Hey, could you put this on?" And she's like, "Oh yeah, that would be very nice." Yeah, me. because she was cool about it. Yeah, she was super cool. She liked uh, being asked to sell. Yeah. It's like, oh, they're interested in things that I could do for them. Wow, how nice. Yeah. Um, but well, yeah, you, you when you talk about those days, and yeah, my first spin magazine I ever bought was with an interview with the Dead Milkman. No way, really? Yeah, that, that was, was the first. Your... That was my very first one. Yeah, I, I, they were in Rolling Stone for a really small time. That I, I remember somebody, maybe it was you or as Brian and Bruce showed me. But yeah, their one in spin, they were completely uh, just obnoxiously. <laughs> <laughs> they were just not on topic at all. They would just answer nonsense, which totally makes sense with them. And anyway, uh, you get through here, you can find some fun stuff. And it this module is basically, like I said, you can play it as a theme night, just dress up as whatever, wear some old rock t-shirts or what have you, and just play some the craziest characters that come off your mind. I would definitely suggest using that table to help out 
uh, get your motives and things that you will do and things that you want. And uh, have a good time with this because this is definitely one if you're into this stuff that you will definitely enjoy and you'll have a lot of fun uh, laughing about. They do uh, stat the band members of the Undead Boatmen. <laughs> the specter of Rodney Anonymous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he always spent his time. They, yeah, uh, Dean Clean. Uh, he was the drummer, wasn't he? I believe so. Yep, two wooden daggers. Yep. Oh yeah, yeah, there it is. Dean Clean was the drummer. The friendly ghost of Joe Jack Talcum. <laughs> the money king, Dean Clean. <laughs> the specter of Rodney Anonymous and the reanimated corpse of Dandrew Stevens. Uh, no, they they give appropriate nods. Uh, and stat them out so that they can also be encountered, yeah, hopefully bene- benevolently. Yeah, and they also have the uh, Bitchin' Chimera uh, table that you can uh, roll each one of the heads up. You can get a jellyfish head on the head, too, so that's a thing. Now, finally, you get the friendly badger head uh, on, on the like randomly generated Chimera. Uh. <laughs> and it's possible you could get three cow heads, too. That yeah, would it's be a- true. I mean, if you roll randomly and produce X number of like heads for the chimera, you could theoretically wind up with all dead cow heads. So the burrow lives in a hole in the ground beneath the decrepit life is shit boneyard, and why the hell do you think they call it a burrow owl anyway? <laughs> but contrary to popular wisdom, though, the burrow owl bear can in fact climb trees when necessary. While underground, it gets two attacks per round. If it should take damage and fall below 12 hit points, it will use its reaction to flee until it recovers its strength. And, of course, the rock goal is a monstrous creature which you have no chance of uh, surviving if you attack, by the way. Yeah, that it's intended to be a creature so big and so difficult to deal with, uh, which, oddly fitting, because Punk Rock Girl was their giant hit song. Yep, it was the, their, the big... Their only mega hit uh, that got super airplay but uh you can't really fight the rock goal so what you must do is appease it by bringing back its stolen eggs so there's little dm bigfootery there but like hey you know what sometimes plots demand that because players will go nuts and do crazy stuff but you can steady you can kill it well that's one word yeah i can use okay i mean you can try (laughs) you can use those words but i don't think you understand what they mean (laughs) or at least you don't they don't mean what you think they mean Look, instead it, I can kill it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you're certainly welcome to give it your best shot. And uh, some nice maps, and definitely... This would be... Yeah, I still can't get over the glory hole of Annihilation. <laughs> the bottomless pit. The But have you been to the, to the bottom, bottom of, of the bottomless, bottomless pit? <laughs> <laughs> hey, they've even got music rehearsal space. Yeah. Oh, the sunken treasure chest. Yeah, so this is definitely... Uh... Yeah, the maps are really attractive here, okay? I want to say that the, the art done on this uh, is, you know, really, you know, quite impressive and, you know, well worth the price of entry here, okay? Uh, <laughs> uh, the illustrations, aside from some of them being humorous uh, or just a little ghoulish, uh, you know, the maps are both effective and attractive, so I, I think... That's a feature that stands well in this. I I know this is released for comedy, but uh, it is uh, also... You'd have a hell of a time getting me out of Taco Land. Yeah, I'm saying, right? Just a lot of random rolls. 
Uh, for what did that last taco do to me? Uh, uh, it's all right. But yeah, so looking at it, it's a fine product of its time. It definitely hits all the right nostalgia notes. It tickles the funny bone as well as elicits some guffaws from those who were there. For most people, they'll probably be like, are you guys having a mental breakdown? I expect a lot of call-ins like, are you guys okay? <laughs> are you guys okay over there? Because I want to make a personal reference here that like, you know, from a DM state of mind, if I were going to play this, I would totally, uh, I would totally make use of background music and have stuff queued up in advance to make use of it. Uh, but, oh, uh, <laughs> a conjuring is taking place. What? I, I feel the disturbance in the ethers. Behold. What are you talking about? Behold. The arcane eye is upon you. And you have failed your saving throw. Welcome to the gaze of the arcane eye. It is settled in its eldritch gaze upon you and small gaming projects and independent creators all around the interwebs. Brought here in full clarity for you, the arcane eye. So this week we're going to talk about Willem's Games. And Willem's Games is, of course, a nice little blog space that where he creates various types of games like Daughters of Verona, of Verona, I'm sorry, and the Dune Rose. Oh, the Dune Rose role-playing game, as well as many others. And he has a bundle currently on sale, or they have a bundle currently on sale at DriveThruRPG for $20, which you can pick them up with some of the O cult with the K instead of two Cs role-playing game in mind. Uh, and wilhelmsgames.wordpress.com. You can go ahead and like scan through, have a peek at like the various, a rather large number of various things that uh, he has created. Yeah. Uh, just a little shout out to a you know small individual creator who has been consistent in being able to make thing after thing. Right, and if you've got a small project or know of an independent gamer or a small... Uh, yeah, person just even doing a WordPress that has given you a lot of fun and insight into the days. Just uh, drop us a little line here at the Dice is Screaming. You can and get we'll a hold of us on our uh, web page. Yeah, we'll give them on a shout Facebook out. as well as I said web page our Facebook page as well as you can just use the Anchor app and send us a message that way. Correct, because and and now Avant, Avant, I cast thee out. I end the spell. Let it be broken. Oh. Wow. All right. You were in the grip of the arcane eye, buddy. Yeah, I was. Wow. Uh, Did give you a I, I, we, we were just talking about the uh, playing music. Yes, yes. About this. that We that, should be playing uh, Dead Milkman music during us on track replays. But if you're really skilled and you got a really right setup with a rig, you can hit certain songs at certain times. And if you rehearse a little bit, just a little bit, you can put them in a nice little playlist just as certain things will be encountered. Oh yeah, and it, even throw in some of your own. Add like I would absolutely have to like end the adventure with uh, you know, oh, your congratulations if you have been successful is the blood orgy of Tom, of the atomic fern. <laughs> and Mistress Ma uh, Brown Noses Manor. Yeah, and she'll provide like a case of RC cola and a couple of leather whips. <laughs> wow. All right, and turn you into a mon bear mongoose. All right. Yeah, I mean that sounds like a great party, man. <laughs> so yeah, that's a thing. 
Um, oh, but yeah, so it. yeah, you can pick this up for uh, just a song. It's under ten bucks at uh, Drive Through RPG. Pick it up. Uh, let's see here. We should probably be nice enough to tell who makes this or who you should be in contact with well, for now, our mental breakdown. Yeah, Andrew Irvin was the uh, the person who collaborated with the Dead Milkmen to create this back at the beginning. Uh, you know, they take time out to even. Uh, reference and stat out the playtesters who participated in this. Uh, but as for Mr. Urban himself, many kudos, guy. That is just a, it is a dandy piece of work and a fitting homage to one of the you know best parts of our youthful indiscretion. Yeah, because it usually uh, featured right before we start playing. But uh, yeah, this is uh, from Severed Press. Yes. Severed Press, you can look that up there. Jeez, sorry about that. Lost folks. Tomb of the Bitchin' Chimera. Oh, and I should mention that the illustration that I have been speaking of, Justin Sirois, or, or Sirois, not sure exactly how that's spelled, the cartography by Nicholas Wistet. Uh, from, from Past, past Peculiar. Peculiar. Uh, and this is a 2021 product. That, yeah, you know, just how It reason. had its inception far before that, but uh, it was released in this... This last year, uh, in in memory of Dave Blood, we all miss. All right, so yeah, we just took a rambling walk through that. Hope you enjoyed our little journey. And yeah, if you didn't get most of the stuff there, don't worry. It's just a mental collapse on our part. We're just having <laughs> some problems. But we're working on it, and we're getting better. Because you'll have to take us to the specialist afterwards. <laughs> well, it gives me lots of pretty pills. I think I'll voices take some... go away. I think I'll take some yellow ones. <laughs> Mr. Huberty... Is that you, God? <laughs> no. <laughs> Do you uh. like power tools? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> ah, take me to the specialist. He hears the voices, too. <laughs> and, yeah, you can say, well, that's a little enablist, and sure, but at the time, we... Yeah, I do remember that the 1980s, um, if we're discussing it authentically and realistically, uh, rather than, you know, uh, casting some kind of uh, golden haze over it where, like, oh, let's pretend there was, you know, like, nobody ever did anything wrong in those days. Now, look, man, you know, a lot of inappropriate stuff, a lot of attitudes that have since shifted, uh, I think, in many cases for the better. Like, you know, there is a general consensus that... We should try to be a lot kinder to people who, uh, you know, circumstances of birth have, uh, you know, obligated them to live with greater complications than some of us. And being incredibly disrespectful about that is, you know, it's not a cool thing to do. Uh, but that was not the prevailing attitude in the 1980s. And so a lot of things were, while not malicious in their intention... Uh, there was a lot of casual speech and things like that that I, I think a lot of people would find disagreeable today. Uh, and also, one of the outcries against uh, taking to the specialist, what they were really railing against is all the parents taking all their kids who have dysfunctional problems to oh, a yeah. specialist rather than trying to deal and treat with some of the problems and open up to their children or their offspring what they're really facing and how to help cope with it. Yes, going to a specialist was important, but just foisting them off to the specialist, everything will be fine. 
Oh, and let's face it, uh, that period, there was a zone in the 1980s where the first wave of Ritalin-type drugs hit the marketplace. Like, finally, we have something to cure your restless teen of their impulsive behavior. And the overdiagnosis level was majestic, okay? Yeah. Is your teen acting like they're bored and restless? Well, hey, look, surprise, that would be called a teenager. Uh, so, like, the diagnosis for this, you know, for actual attention deficit disorder, uh, probably should have had a much clearer threshold before they let people just dole out pills for this right. stuff. Here, if, if we just Thorazine the crap out of them, that'll shut them up. Rather than I'm throw... so happy now that my child is so quiet, you know, until, of course, the inevitable overdose. Like, I wish my child wasn't so quiet now. You know, it's like, hey, you know, you maybe should have thought about that before you like, just fire the pill gun into their throat. And that's where most of it comes from. Anything else is, of course, uh, incidental. It, it wasn't completely without intent. But I would definitely say that there was a little malice. And if there was some people who are upset about some of the songs that they did early on, yeah, I feel like you're looking at it backwards now. But we're Oh, yeah. Do I worship them in a sense like... Uh, they could do I no wrong. Song, like every, everything in every song is a perfect thing that I totally agree with. Oh, God, no. I don't treat anybody else that way either. There's plenty of shit. I yeah, they brought with. us a lot of fun. We had some chuckles, and we also had some <coughs> thoughts from it. I, you know... Dance in a dioxin dump. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go dancing in a dioxin dump. And right here in Michigan is like we had uh PBC. Oh yeah, a lot of PCBs. Uh, oh PCBs. And, and Excuse me, I'm sorry. Later we had uh more recently, you know, the PFOS, yeah, but yeah, the, the PFOS once again, uh, you know, a number of uh, ground wells have been contaminated by plants just dumping their stuff wherever they see fit, out in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the night. And wow, a bunch of cows end up dead. And that's what happened. And that's also another little thing about them is that, yeah, pollution, especially on the East Coast in around New Jersey and Philly, was rampant. Yeah, I mean, if you were a kid in the 1970s, you like just... Just yeah, you can't that. play at your favorite playground because the uh, <laughs> EPA has now declared it a disaster area. <laughs> Not just because, you know... Uh, Little Timmy's in the sandbox at the daycare center, run by ex-cons. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> horrifying. All right, yeah, but yeah, Dex, watching Scotty die—that's that's what that's about. Watching so. Scotty die, yeah. I, no, they are audible happiness, and they have brought us much joy over the years. But and they are not infallible, and they are not super perfect. So we're not worshiping at them from that point of view. Some of the songs upset you. Yeah, then don't listen to those. And I'll uh, defend their musicianship because they they were certainly competent. I don't. I oh yeah. I they, don't agree with people's characterization of them. Like they were terrible. Uh, look, they had a style all their own, and they made it work for them. And hey, guess what? It's still jamming today. Okay, it's it's been like thirty five freaking years. So, <laughs> mad kudos. Yeah, although more. I think they're riding on the nostalgia fumes more than anything else. And sure. this, this definitely will help propel them for a little bit longer. But, hey, you know what? If um, they weren't perfect and there were some things that were questionable that they did or saying about, that's fine. Uh, that is excusable to the point that 
given the times and given their druthers, I don't think they would have made the same choices and would change some of them. But oh, what's sure. done is done, and what's in the past is, for the most part, in the past. And I think they would agree with everybody. Yeah, how many of us would actually ourselves say, like, I would do everything and think everything exactly the way I thought it 35 years ago? I, I really don't think that many people, uh, you know, put the thought into it to realize, like, hey, you know what? Uh, you know, look at this thing that I used to do or I used to say circa 1978 or 1982, uh, you know, when I was still busy manufacturing my own pubes uh, and I had no clue about anything and my social skills were, in, you know, grossly inadequate. Like your frontal lobes hadn't fully formed yet. Yeah. Oh, they were there. They and, just weren't fully... And then, you know, decades of evolution and, you know, learning and... You, how can you not be different than you were all those years ago and think differently and uh, try to act better? Either you've been on a course of self-improvement most of your lifetime or you've, you know, really been wasting your time. I mean, you know, we most of us generally acquire at least a little polish along the way. I need a lot more polishing than most. You know, like, some people, you know, like, hey, you know, if this jewel could use a little more you know, a few more facets. And in my case, this jagged rock may have to go through the tumbler eight or ten times before we can make it look not Yeah, like you're not using the double zero zero four <laughs> grit sandpaper. Yeah. You're using the one three. <laughs> Extra course. Yeah, I, I needed that. Uh, but, you know, we've all learned along the way, and so have, so have the dead milkmen. Ah, uh, the Dave. river of life has polished our stone smooth. Yeah. So kudos to them. Uh, yeah, give it a give it a whirl, give it a listen, give it a download. You'll love it. And if you play it in the style that it's meant to be, is easy breezy and fun, lighthearted, and uh, you know with much laughter, you're gonna have a good time. And I definitely would recommend serving tacos. Yeah, in a case of RC Cola, yep. you, can, you can leave aside the leather whips if you feel like it. That's entirely up to you. Yeah, it's it's optional. Nobody's forcing you into anything. <sighs> Royal Crown Cola. Mm-hmm. All righty. So, hey, we'll uh, call it off there and uh, leave you alone. Thanks for listening in, and we'll be at you next week with more fun. So, tune in for the Dice Screaming next week, and may, may the, the dice, dice always roll in your, your favor. favor. We're out. See ya. See ya.